0: A reading from the book of the prophet Nahum. See upon the mountain there advances the bearer of good news announcing peace. Celebrate your feasts, O Judah, fulfill your vows, for nevermore shall you be invaded by the scoundrel. He is completely destroyed. The Lord will restore the vine of Jacob, the pride of Israel. though ravagers have ravaged them and ruined the tendrils, Woe to the bloody city, all lies full of plunder, whose looting never stops. The crack of the whip, the rumbling sound of wheels, horses a gallop, chariots abounding. cavalry charging, the flame of the sword, the flash of the spear, the many slain, the heaping corpses, the endless bodies to stumble upon. I will cast filth upon you, disgrace you, and put you to shame. Till everyone who sees you runs from you, saying, Nineveh is destroyed. Who can pity her? Where can one find any to console her? The word of the Lord. Our sponsorial psalm today comes from Deuteronomy, chapter 32. (laughs) It is I who deal death and give life. Close at hand is the day of their disaster, and their doom is rushing upon them. Surely the Lord shall do justice for His people; on His servants He shall have pity. It is I who deal death and life. Learn then that I alone am God, and there is no god besides me. It is I who bring both death and life. I who inflict wounds and heal them. I will sharpen my flashing sword, and my hand shall lay hold of my quiver. With vengeance, I will repay my foes and requite those who hate me. It is fine. I who deal death and give life. Lord be in my heart and on my lips of the light, worthy proclaim the gospel, name the the Son of Alleluia, alleluia. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels and in his Father's glory, and then he will repay each according to his conduct. Amen. I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom the word, gospel of the Lord. To you, Lord Jesus. Right. So, oh, we got some interesting readings today, don't we? Boy, can you love, don't you just love that, uh, that that verse from Deuteronomy and our response oil psalm, it is I who did deal death and give life. Boy, I tell you, it's, that'll, that'll put the fear of God in you, won't it. But let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, we're going to talk about that as well with as with the, with the First reading from the prophet Nahum. Now, this may be the first time you heard a homily on the prophet Nahum. He's not one that gets a lot of, uh, a lot of press because uh, it's very easy to read. It's just a very, very little book in the Old Testament. You're going to have a hard time finding it if you're looking for it. It's only three chapters long, and it deals with the destruction of Assyria and it deals with uh, the destruction of its capital, Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Now, this doesn't mean much to us. Goodness gracious, we haven't run into an Assyrian in probably 3,000 years, but it meant a great deal to them. It'd be kind of like living in France in 1943. You go to church and up someone stands from the congregation and begins to prophesy the destruction of Germany, the destruction of Berlin, you take notice. Because you're living under that occupation, you'd had a very difficult experience with the government of Berlin and with Hitler. So it's kind of like that. See, Assyria had been a very strong power. When we think of empires, we typically think of, of Rome, you know, but Rome was kind of a latecomer in the empires. Most of the early empires arose from arose from Mesopotamia. In fact, in the Bible, there's a man named Nimrod, who is the first builder of an empire. A lot of people link Nimrod with the Sumerian figure Gilgamesh, the Epic of Gilgamesh. They're they one of the same people, and it may be. But the Assyrians were a very powerful empire and they were ruthless they were dreadful everybody hated when the the assyrians and especially the ninevites because they were so ruthless they were kind of like islamic state they would come in they would kill everybody men women children they'd be lopping off heads they would be extremely cruel and they were and everyone was terrified of them now assyria had conquered northern israel and dispersed those those tribes who were in the north of Israel, Judah and Levi in the south. They could not conquer because God miraculously saved them during the reign of the king Hezekiah. And we talked about that just uh, maybe a couple of months ago. But the Assyrians were still very powerful. And here is Nahum, a prophet in exile, living in Babylon, actually, or north of Babylon. Kokish, I think, was the name of it. Um, anyway, I, I've written that down. I don't see it. But anyway, Kokish, I believe, was the name of the town where he lived, and that's where his tomb is to this day in northern Iraq. And there he proclaimed this oh, beautiful, beautiful prophecy that we have in, in three chapters. And he, he proclaimed it in such a way, in such a poetic form, that um, they, he would use alpha, the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, so that the first several verses began with Aleph, and the next several verses began with Beit, and the next several verses of his poetic prophecy became with Gimel. And it goes on through the Hebrew alphabet that way. Unfortunately, at some point, they, the, the, the lines got mixed up. So now scholars try to rearrange the, his book back into its original format for us to see how it had originally been. So here is Nahum in the seventh century and he, BC, seventh century BC, and he is prophesying. So I'm going to begin at uh, the very beginning of his, his book. I'm going to read a, a few chapters, few verses here to get the picture of what he is prophesying. Nahum says, A jealous and avenging God is the Lord, an avenger is the Lord, full of wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and rages against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, yet great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. In storm, wind, and tempest he comes, and clouds are the dust at his feet. He roars at the sea and leaves it dry. All the rivers he dries up. Laid low are Bashan and Carmel, and the bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him, and the hills dissolve. The earth is laid waste before him, the world and all who dwell in it. Before his wrath who can stand firm, and who can face his blazing anger, his furies poured out like fire, and boulders break apart before him. This reflects an understanding of the time, an understanding of the nature of God, and that everything that happened in this world was done by the direct intervention of God. Good things happen, God was blessing you. If bad things happened, God was angry and was cursing you. And that was their understanding. And now there is a truth in that because God in his mercy has given us the opportunity to live in a physical universe, to live in a physical presence where we have free will and can make choices. This is God's doing. But what we do with those choices are ourselves. See, it's not God. If someone does something evil, God did not make him do that evil. He chose that evil. And we come, we now know this because of the perfect revelation of God, who is Jesus. Nahum had not met Christ. He did not hear Jesus' teaching. And Jesus was very clear. When bad things happen, it's not God being angry with you. Bad things happen. Now, all of us need to live in such a way that we are always ready There was a time in Jesus that uh, a tower fell and killed several people. And everybody said, they must have been great sinners because God did this to them. Jesus said, no, God didn't do this to them. We all should be ready because bad things happen. We don't know from one day to the next if a tower is going to fall on us. So Jesus said, always be ready to meet your God. That's what's important. But Nahum did not have that understanding. He still believed, as in much of the Old Testament, Everything happened by God's intervention. And so Nahum now is applying the destruction of Assyria and the destruction of Nineveh to God who has decided they've been bad enough for long enough. So I will wipe them off the face of the earth. And that is the crux of his prophecy. Nahum goes on to describe the destruction of Nineveh. He says the chariots dash madly through the streets and wheels and the squares, looking like torches, bolting like lightning. His picked troops are called, ranks break at their charge. To the wall they rush, their screen is set up. The river gates are open and the palace is washed away. The mistress is led forth captive and her maidservants led away, moaning like doves beating their breasts. Nineveh is like a pool whose waters escape. Stop, stop but none turn back. Plunder the silver, plunder the gold. There is no end to the treasure, to wealth and every precious thing. Emptiness, desolation, waste, melting hearts and trembling knees, churning in every stomach, every face turning pale. The complete destruction of the the Assyrian Empire, of its capital Nineveh, with the women and children being taken captives, And with all of the silver and gold that they had amassed over centuries of building this empire, being taken away, and now the possession of others. But Nahum is a prophet, and he not only sees the destruction, he also sees the hope that God is going to ultimately fulfill his purpose in the earth. And of course, we understand this purpose is Jesus. And he just got a glimpse of the one who is going to bring the good news. So I'll read this little passage to you now. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. A refuge on the day of distress, taking care of those who look to him for protection. When the flood rages, at this moment on the mountains, the footsteps of one bearing good news, of one announcing peace Celebrate your feasts, Judah. Fulfill your vows. For never again will destroyers invade you. There was an anticipation in the prophet's words that the kingdom would be reestablished in Judah, in Jerusalem. That the kingdom would be one of peace. That the kingdom would encompass the entire earth. He believed, Nahum I'm sure believed this was going to happen when a a, a descendant of David was going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem and rule from there the entire world. In fact, the apostles were very confused about this. At the ascension, they asked Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom now? We've been waiting all this time. We've been through the whole death and resurrection. Here you are. So aren't you going to do it now? But instead, Jesus ascended into heaven. He said, wait, the Holy Spirit will come. You see, the kingdom of peace that Nahum prophesied and that Jesus gave us was the church embodied by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit actually lives within us and gives us total peace over our true enemy, who is the accuser and the liar. The Holy Spirit gives us victory over our true enemy, the accuser and the liar. And so Pope Sixtus, whose martyrdom we celebrate today, he lost his physical life, but he had lived that life in the manner and making the choices that meant he would live forever. See, we live in a physical universe and bad things happen, but that's so that we have the opportunity to come to God by choice, to come to God in love. We are not some creature that was made without free will that we cannot choose God. We can choose God. We can choose Christ. And in making that choice, we are set free forever from our true enemy, the accuser and the liar. Let's go to God now in prayer.